This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's, it's, it's time to talk that talk, and we talk it like no one else. This is the stinking truth. Now here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome into the Stinky Truth Podcast. Alongside uh, Mike Evans, I am Mark Schler. Thank you so much for being with us as we uh, enter into week five. We've got the moneymaker picks. We'll be breaking down the games. By the way, I don't even want to get into this yet, but uh, you are thoroughly getting your ass kicked in the moneymaker picks. But that'll be later on in the show, so make sure you stay tuned. You want to make money, you bet with me. You want to, ma- you want to, uh, or, or you bet against Mike. That's, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Mike, how are you, buddy? <laughs> Either way, you're going to win money. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Either following you or betting against me. Uh, can't wait for this slate of games. Every week, a bunch of intriguing games to talk about. To me, the best one. San Francisco and Dallas. Oh, my gosh. Right? right? 49ers have ended the Dallas playoff hopes the last couple of years. Dallas looks so impressive in handing Bill Belichick the worst loss of his coaching career. How do you see this one? Yeah, it'll be really interesting because I think Dallas, you know, defensively, they're just totally solid. They're a really good football team on the defensive side of the ball. And... um and, but, you know, so is San Francisco. I think San Francisco is more of a complete team. I think the big thing for me is how do you handle San Francisco's run game, all their motions, all the shifts that they do to get their guys running starts and get their guys opportunities to outflank the defense. And really some of that stuff, Mike, when you start motioning and shifting guys and then motioning them across and, and the timing of the snap count, when you're doing that stuff, <clears throat> all you're really doing is trying to gain an eight-inch advantage for an offensive lineman. Right, if all of a sudden you would normally be lined up here and I'm trying to come off on an angle on you to get you at the second level, a linebacker, for instance, and now all of a sudden I get you shifted eight inches that way, well, guess what? I've just increased my level of angle to get you blocked, and that gets my running back at that second level to where, you know, all of a sudden Christian McCaffrey can, you know, do the hurdle over somebody or Debo Samuel can run over you. So their ability to use their shifts, to use their motions, to time up their snap count with their speed, with their motions, and with their shifts, um, they're the best in the league. And it's something that everybody tries to copy, but they're so good at it. And then you've got Brock Purdy, who he was 21. He was 20 of 21 the other day. I mean, just incredible efficiency. He's the highest-rated quarterback in the National Football League right now 
on those, whatever those analytic ratings are, QBR or RBQs or BBBQs, which are delicious. Like whatever, you know, your Q is. You're not a big fan of analytics, are you? No, because analytics has never made a tackle. It's never thrown a block. Analytics math has never, you know, I mean, I, I get it. They give me the numbers, but you still have to have guys that have nutsack make decisions. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's no analytics for nutsack. Huh? No, no. I mean, you know, you can, you can send me some numbers without nutsack behind him but I want to know who the quarterback is on the other side I want to know what the situation is I want to you know I, and then I want to know what my how my team is feeling how they're going to respond if we don't make it how will they respond if we do make it what's the momentum shift all that kind of stuff that still has to be made by people with nutsack so what you've learned here today analytics no nutsack <laughs> decisions by people in charge nutsack that's what, that's what, I mean, that's what you need to know. Folks, old man yelling at clouds right here. No, 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 just guy that's right. So I saw this, I saw a national article that suggested that Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel are like re, rewriting what NFL offenses look like. Is it next, that next level when it comes to what Kyle Shanahan is doing or is there a lot of old school elements oh, yeah. to what? they're doing that just a lot of people maybe don't see overlook and thinking that, wow, this is something that the NFL has never seen before. Yeah. I think, I think there are, there's a ton of old school elements in it with it, with a kind of a new school twist, if you will. And I think the big thing is how can we dominate a line of scrimmage without the most dominant players on the line of scrimmage? Now, defensively, I think they just got un unbelievable talent up front, you know, with Bosa and all the different guys, Armstead, all the different guys they have. Um, they've got really, you know, really great talent. Um, and that's, you know, that's great on the defensive side of the ball. I would I would argue that offensively, like they play really well together, but I would not I would not hesitate to say I don't know that they're the most talented group. But again, that's where coaching comes in. That's where those shifts and those motions and getting a guy on the run and getting with the ball in a little bit more space and setting up the block so that you know you can circle the defense so that you can get on the edge of the defense and, and set those things up. That's where your coaching comes in. That's where all those formations come in. That's where that motion comes in. And then the overall toughness of your football team. Like that's where they win a lot of their games because you watch them. I mean, yards after catch, you know, yards after contact, like they are – They've got. I don't. I have no idea what the numbers say, um, but I know what my eyes tell me. And they have to be one of the top teams in the National Football League when it comes to yards after first contact. Whether it's Debo Samuel, whether it's uh, you know, whether it's uh, Kittle, whether it's uh, McCaffrey, McCaffrey, um, you know, Juice, uh, Use Check, uh, um, Juice. You know, whether it's him. I tell you what, the the other guy that came in and was a guy that was a bit ridiculed and a guy that was made an example of at times under Kyle Shanahan has become one of the one of the top receivers in Brandon Ayuk. So they have got they have got just a toughness, just an attitude about the way they play um that that I think makes them probably the best team in the National Football League. So in talking about this San Francisco Dallas matchup, you like the completeness of the 49ers. Mm -hmm. That implies that Dallas is not as complete right. where are they incomplete well i think i think inconsistency on offense inconsistency from the quarterback position inconsistency just the way they run things i just don't think when it comes to 
like when it comes to saying, hey, um, we're going to out-scheme you. I don't think Dallas necessarily out-schemes you. I think San Francisco out-schemes you with a physical nature. So they put that physicality together with scheme. And I think that's where, where Dallas lacks. I think you'll get enough of an advantage um, under Kyle Shanahan where they, you know, eliminate, you know, Micah Parsons is a huge, he's a huge player. Through formation, through motion, through other things, they'll, I think they'll limit it, his effectiveness. You know, they'll have a, a great plan for him where I just don't think a lot of people, uh, I think you have to have an identity. But also with that identity, like you have to be able to also game plan around people that are problems. And that dude's a problem. And he's as good as it is as there is in the league right now. So I just think that when you talk about the next level coaching, um, you know, I think that's that Kyle Shannon is that guy. But I, I will tell you this, um, defensively, when you when you talk Dallas, they have I mean, they are Dan Quinn is a phenomenal coach as well. So it should be a great matchup. Looking forward to that one. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mentioned Miami. <clears throat> they yeah. got beat pretty badly in Buffalo. I don't think that that's anything that you know should really be held against the Dolphins. I would expect mm-hmm. them to bounce back. I think the story in this matchup this week against the Giants, what happened to the Giants? Yeah, This was a team that was in the playoffs but a year ago. Didn't we all see they this won coming? A, but they won a playoff game? Yeah. I think we thought there might be some kind of regression back to the mean, but this... Or they're getting destroyed. Eleven. They gave up eleven sacks. I mean, that goes way beyond just not having Saquon Barkley. Yeah, eleven sacks. Um, you know, I think there's, I think there's some, I think there's a lot of different things that you would look at. I mean, I always say this: uh, if you give up, you know, seven, eight sacks in a game, it's not your offensive line that sucks. You suck as a play caller. So you got to put a lot of that. You got to put a lot of that on the coaching staff now. The situation, you've got to throw it. You've got to do some of those things. I get all that. But um, where I think Daniel Jones is his, at his best is when Daniel Jones is scrambling around making plays with his feet. When he gets outside the pocket and there's that run-pass threat, that RPO threat, and you boot him out and you do those things, I think that's where the Giants are at their best. And, you know, one thing ab- about this group is – I don't know where the dynamic nature is in their passing game if you're not using Daniel Jones in that nature. Daniel Jones has never been a guy that, I, you know, and, and maybe you're going to be mad at me, you know, if you live in giant land, but I don't think he's ever been a, a guy that just manipulates and eviscerates you from the pocket. It's not who he is. You know, and they ran the ball so effectively last year with Saquon and then all the quarterback run stuff off of that and all the play action stuff off of that. He's not a guy, even if you're flagging play pass out there and then you're dropping back seven, you know, seven steps. He's not a guy that eviscerates you. The other thing is at the wide receiver position, who's the difference maker there? Who's the big time player there? They went out and got Waller. Can you really use that stuff if you're not 
if your quarterback isn't the most efficient from those th- from those areas. So, um, boy, it was a it was hard to watch. It was a beating. And as bad as the O line was, I thought there were often times where Daniel Jones was unsure of like pull the trigger. There's a couple times I just said, just throw the damn thing. You know, don't wait for the guy to turn his head around and look at you, right? Don't be a sight thrower. Anticipate and throw it. And you know, it's it's accuracy. It's being on time and being accurate with the football. And it's hard to be accurate if you're not on time. Because think about it from a pitching standpoint. When a pitcher is missing all the time, usually has to do when they overthrow. So, you know, you're a baseball guy, right? When you stay, it's kind of like a golf swing. When you mm-hmm. stay with your, they always talk about your front shoulder being closed. Okay, so when you're when you're late and and you're you know you're hustling through your mechanics, right? When your shoulder flies open, oh, this is what happens: shoulder flies open, your head pulls. Mm-hmm. When your head pulls, instead of being compact here in your arm, your arm gets long. When your arm gets long, you miss. Same thing for football. When you're behind it and your front shoulder is closed, right? When you're throwing the football, you're accurate. When you're late, the first thing you do is what? You really pull because you want you know you're late. You sense that you're late, so you pull. It lengthens your arm, and you throw inaccurately. Yep. So guys that are consistently late with the football, their timing's off. Then their accuracy can't be on. If your timing is a little bit off, you cannot be accurate. And I think with Daniel Jones, because you're waiting. Because if you wait to see the guy come open, if you wait to see, you know, it's like, uh, who was it? Wait till you see the whites of their eyes. You know, was that, uh, that wasn't Paul Revere because he was riding around, right? One if by land, two yeah. if by sea, right. that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, but if you're waiting to see the receiver look back at you, you're late. And when you're late, you can sense it. And, you know, and, and so that's, to me, that's Daniel Jones. You got to get him outside. You got to run him. And even if, you know, you, and I get that you have $160 million, you know, you invested that. So what? Because yeah. you, you can't win the way you're playing right now. Sure, there's some buyer's remorse about that uh, contract right you now. Think? By the way, the don't fire till you see the whites of their eyes. I believe, was that the Battle of Bunker Hill? Oh, no, that was the. Or was that the first? Maybe that was the the first shot. Um, were you a history minor? Yeah, you know, as American history was my dick. minor, and I've I mean, forgotten everything. Right. So that's a Syracuse education for American you, right there. American history minor. Yeah. Whites of their eyes. Yeah. Don't fire till you see the whites. I think that was the Battle of Bunker Hill. I, I think, think it was Custard or somebody. No, like it was that. definitely not Custard. I can tell you custard. that for sure. Oh. This might be the most fascinating. I said Custard. <laughs> custard. You just somebody's hungry. I don't know anything. Somebody, I'll tell you that right somebody now. Somebody needs to be and fed. I proved that on a day. Bubba Bear needs to be fed yeah. right now. Give this, me some custard. This might be right. the most interesting battle of one in three teams ever when it comes to juicy subplots, the Denver Broncos and the New York Jets. You've got Nathaniel Hackett, who was the coach of the Broncos last year, now the offensive coordinator of the Jets. You have Sean Payton, who said in a famous interview this summer that Nathaniel Hackett's coaching job may have been the worst coaching job in history of mm-hmm. NFL. Yeah. He said, whatever they did last year, we're doing the opposite. Yes. And now here we are with both teams at one and three. And the funny thing is, it's, it is it is always karma is an absolute bitch, as you well know. And the karma of this whole thing, because he called that coaching job maybe the worst in the history of the National Football League, and then you roll into Miami and give up 70, right? And then he talked about procedural issues, you know, and and 
you know, snap count, not getting plays in, and basically said it's not my quarterback's fault or it's not Russell's fault. And then you go on to have five false starts in one game last week in Chicago. I mean, you talk about you talk about pot. Let me introduce you to Kettle because you want to talk about a bad coaching job. You got a seventy hung on your ass in Miami, and you've had nothing but a bunch of offsides and a bunch of issues. You know, procedural type issues. So, um, yeah, this is this is one that I think is big time. And you know, a lot of people, a lot of people. We'll sit here and, and talk about, well, the, you know, I've, I've heard people on our radio show today, talk, uh, the, the Broncos should win. I don't know. I don't know. If Defensively, they're awful. I mean, you just made Justin Fields, who everybody was talking about, maybe we tank for, you know, <clears throat> tank for Caleb Williams or whatever. You just made Justin Fields look like Patrick Mahomes. So how bad is your defense is, you know, as, as frankly, Zach Wilson comes in after he played the best game he's ever played. Uh, against Kansas City and almost won that game. I mean, I don't know that the Broncos, as a matter of fact, I think they're favored by two points. You usually get three at home. So basically, Vegas is telling you, we think the Jets are better than the Broncos. That's what they're telling you. So a lot of juicy subplots. We know that Robert Sala keeps uh, receipts, you know. So this is an interesting one to me. And I don't know. I mean, the Jets are legit on the defensive side of the ball. If they get any, any, like any decent quarterbacking from Zach Wilson, good things are gonna uh, good things for the Jets. Speaking of quarterbacking, do we have to look at Russell Wilson differently? This was a guy who yeah. was and and rightly so was uh, cr- was crushed for his play, vilified yeah. for his cringy comments. But this year he's he's playing really well statistically he's one of the top quarterbacks yeah. in the NFL I think he's ranked number three right now yeah. but I'm Purdy and uh I can't re- I, I don't even remember who's ranked number two but it was Purdy and then Russ was three um you know and, and again analytics you know who cares but yeah he's playing great right, how and, about the eye so, test yeah the eye test Mr. Eye test yeah guy. the eye test will tell you that he's playing really good football right now and I think there's a couple of things that you know Sean Peyton, the head coach of the Broncos, tasked himself with one, the cringy comments. The, you know, called it the uh, more anonymous donors. Like, get off social media. Remember, there was always, I mean, they're just getting thumped. They're scoring eight, 12 points, whatever it is. And he's always got a picture of him, like, leaving for, you know, leaving in his whatever is Rolls Royce for the game, heading to the game, woohoo, you know, and then he's at the game with a suitcase roller bag and, you know, some Versace, you know, and it's and it's some promo on Instagram. So Sean basically put the kibosh to that and said, that's not going to happen anymore. We're going to focus on not being a celebrity but being a quarterback. And the other thing that we've consistently said about Russ is his his inability to throw from the pocket, his inability to manipulate the pocket, how he always wants to escape out the backside, how 30 or 40% of the, the sacks that were given up over the course of his career in Seattle were credited by the Seahawks to Russ. 30, 35% probably, not 40, probably not 40, but about 30 to 35% um, credited to Russ. And in the last two weeks, the Broncos have given up two sacks in spite of the fact that they they haven't necessarily played great up front, but they've given up two sacks because Russ, when he drops back, man, he climbs, he steps up in the pocket. It's pop, 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 
and then hitch up, hitch up, hitch up, not escape out the back of the pocket. And what escaping out the back of the pocket does for you is if you were going to get sacked, it'd be a two-yard loss. You'd be in second and 12. Instead, you spin out and you take a nine-yard sack, and now it's second down and 19, you know, and, and those are the things that crush you. Uh, as an offensive football team. So there is no question he's operating the offense. He's operating it efficiently. He's completing 67-plus percent of his passes, nine TDs versus two picks. Um, He's playing really good football right now. So at least it looks like on the surface that Russ has been fixed. And, you know, I I think that's that's one of the big tasks that Sean Payton was, you know, was – one of the big tasks that he was tasked with. It's from the Department of Redundancy Department. Yeah. It's one of the big challenges he was tasked with. It was Boom. His, it was his <laughs> number one. How about that? It was his number one task. It really was. Yeah. If, if he had one thing above right. all others, number one on the to-do list in his first year was to try to fix it's, Russell Wilson. Yeah, it's like Curly. Curly? Yeah. It's all about one thing. Oh, yeah. Then he just dies. Yeah. The great Jack Palance. No, oh, my God. I poop awesome. bigger than you. Yeah. Right? Wasn't that the awesome. one? By the way, quick aside, uh-huh. it was the Battle of Bunker Hill. Boom. The Battle of I Bunker Hill. Oh, right. you looked it up. So, no, yeah. Well, yeah, but I was right in the first place. Oh. I got it right. Was that custard? Uh, no, that was not custard. And it was it was the Battle who, of Bunker who Hill. Who said that? Who, uh, who said it? I don't it? know. I, oh, oh I, 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 never, I only did enough research uh, to, to get uh, the just, answer. Just to, I didn't get go. It just to prove that I was right. All right. So that's all we really need to know. I This game... That I, I love talking about anytime they match up, Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Oh yeah, safe to say that this is the one, the best, maybe the only true rivalry in all mm. of the NFL. When I mean, yeah. there are a lot of rivalries that the fans love, but I'm talking about the players themselves who really embrace the 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 mm. animosity, the the hatred of the rivalry. Is it Baltimore Pittsburgh? Is it still Baltimore Pittsburgh? Yeah, it feels I don't know how many actual rivalries in the NFL are are left. And there were always there were always some like when I played, I mean the the vitriol and the hate we had toward the Raiders was mm-hmm. was real. It was palpable. And how about would, in Washington? When you were in hate Washington. Hate the Cowboys. Uh, everybody hated the Cowboys, though, so that was not. But, yeah, like the Giants were, the Giants for my first couple of years were our major bugaboo. They had beaten us like six years in a row, or six games in a row, three years in a row, until we swept them in 91. Um, but we just couldn't find a way to beat them. Like that, that the NFC East at that point, just a bunch of bullies, you know, with Philly and us and um, everybody but Phoenix, you know, were bullies. Phoenix was everybody's good thing. Right. Phoenix. <laughs> Get right game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Phoenix was. Uh, that was the booty call game, huh? Yeah, yeah. The, the one that couldn't say no game, right? <laughs> hey, what are you doing? <laughs> Phoenix was sluts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, with that said, yeah, but everybody else was, I mean, everybody else was, you knew you were going to be in a physical battle, but that's this game, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember when Ben Roethlisberger several years ago got his nose broke, his nose was all sideways, and they said, <laughs> no, nothing nothing to see here, nothing happened, and it's all, like, crooked and stuff. Uh, yeah, they really don't like each other. And it'll be interesting because Pittsburgh right now is reeling. Yeah. I mean, remember, Mike Tomlin's never gone, never had a losing season. What is he, 15, 16 years there now, never had a losing season? So – um, right now, they look like they're on pace to have a losing season. They got beat down 
by Houston the other day, who, by the way, is playing awesome football. And we will do a, a breakdown. Um, I have Houston-Atlanta this week, and we won't do that here in this show, but we'll do uh, the Leftovers podcast, uh, just basically what I learned studying those two teams and all that kind of stuff. But I will tell you, Houston is flying around. They're playing really good football on both sides of the ball. Um, they had like all their all five starting offensive linemen missed last week and still didn't give up a sack. They haven't given up a sack in two weeks. They had their backups against um, Highsmith and against T.J. Watt and didn't give up a sack. And C.J. Stroud is like that dude is playing his butt off. Are you right ready now. to call him a a hit this this early in his rookie season? Is he a surefire hit on time with the football? accurate with the football, and knows exactly, from a schematic standpoint, knows exactly where he wants to go with the football. And, Mike, I'm talking about, you know, dropping five-step drop, da-da-da-da, reading the front side, it's not there, where's my check down? Foom, mm-hmm. foom, foom. I mean, on time, gets the ball out of his hands. Yeah, I'm like that dude looks like by far the best of the rookie class. No question. Okay. Philly and the Rams. Yeah. Philly is starting to look like Philly. Where are you at with the Rams? Have you, you got a your finger on the pulse of what the Rams are right now? I mean, at times they've looked like maybe they yeah. could surprise. Yeah. At other times they look like they're kind of in a transition slash rebuild phase. Yeah, they have got you got it. them figured no, out yet? No, I, I don't. And you know, obviously Cooper Cup really helps them from a package standpoint because you know when they have Cooper Cup in there, he can play essentially a, a, a tight end. And so you're getting lighter personnel groupings. You're getting smaller people. You're getting nickel personnel groupings, but you're running tight end, double tight end plays, you know, two tight end plays against it. And Cooper can be on the front side of a run block, a wide stretch handoff. And so when the Rams can effectively control line of scrimmage and run the ball and take pressure off of their quarterback, I think the Rams are really good. When they don't play that way, I think the Rams are very susceptible to getting bludgeoned. And when you play that way offensively, it allows you on a defensive side to do what you do best. Having undersized guys, fast guys, Aaron Donald just wreak havoc against you as a quote-unquote passing team. And so I think the complementary nature for the Rams has got to be there. And when it's not, I think the Rams are exceptionally beatable. And one thing about Philly... Man, they are so physical, and they are so good at running the ball. They are so good at using their quarterback. Their quarterback, you know, I mean, they just have it all three levels of offense. They've got great players, and the same thing goes for their defensive players. Like, they're just a real complete – they and they and the 49ers, to me, are the most two, like, legit, com, complete, physical football teams in the National Football League. Well, we've put it off as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Time to get to our moneymaker picks. So, as you know, <clears throat> last week, I let you pick first because that's how we do the game. So, here's how the game goes. One week, I pick first. The next week, you pick first. I take three games against the spread. You take three games against the spread. Um, you can't pick the same teams I pick. That's the game. But you can pick opposite of my pick. So yesterday or last week, I let you pick. I just go, you go ahead and pick. And then being the hot shit that I am, I went exact opposite of you like a real dick. What a dick. I went two and one. You went one and two. So as it stands right now, currently, 
Mark, that would be me. Uh, I am eight, three, and one. My picks against the spread Impressive. so far. Good start. Mike, that would be you. Yeah. Are four and eight. That's bad. All right. So here are the picks that I went with. Okay. I went with Buffalo minus five against Jacksonville. In, that is in, in London. London. Yep. But they stayed. Jacksonville stayed in London the whole time. Um, you know, too many pub crawls. A little bit too much fish and chips. I think they're going to be lethargic, Mike. Lethargic. Ooh, okay, Buffalo. Okay. All right. I've got Tennessee even over Indianapolis. We saw last week, I did that game, um, saw a big physical football team that knows how they win football games. And uh, they absolutely beat Cincinnati down, just beat them down. So I'm taking Tennessee uh, even. And then Baltimore at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's reeling right now. Pittsburgh is struggling. I'm taking Baltimore. I'm taking um, their physicality, even though it's in Pittsburgh. I don't think Pittsburgh responds, and I think they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, you could call this imitation as a sincerest form of flattery, or I'm just going to try your be a dick strategy. No. And I'm going to go opposite oh, of two of your picks. Oh. Hey, why not? Uh, let's, okay. give it a, let's, okay. give, let's give it a shot. Okay. Let's give it a shot. All right. Let's give it a shot. What do I have to lose? I'm 4-8. Okay. So you're taking so Jacksonville. Take, no, I'm not doing that one. Oh, 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 oh. You're only doing part of my strategy. Part of your strategy. I'm not a complete endorsement. We'll, we'll see. We'll <laughs> see. So I'm going to take Indy No, you got to take it all, don't you? No, I'm not going to do it all. Okay. No. I'm going to take Indy at home, even. Against Tennessee, Indy, even in yeah. the division home game, I'm gonna I'm gonna take right. uh, the Colts. I'm gonna take Pittsburgh at home, getting the three and a hook. I think this is a, a Steeler team that plays different at home. You're gonna see an inspired defense. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not exactly sold on Baltimore yet, so I'll take Pittsburgh okay. plus the three and a half. All right. And the other one I'm gonna go with. I'm shocked that you didn't take this one, knowing what a bromance you have with the Shanahan's. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna take San Francisco minus the four. Against the Cowboys, I thought I sincerely they're at home too, and yeah. I was gonna do that. I was gonna do that one. That was my that was my pick, and then I decided to go Buffalo at Jacksonville. I, I, that's I scratched that one off, um, and then I knew you would be dumb enough to take it. So that's another thing that I thought like, <laughs> how's that dumb? It, well, I mean, all right, tell, make your case why you would uh, take Dallas. No, I wouldn't. I would take San Francisco all go. day long. I right. give the four. I mm-hmm. give the. I mean. You'd give all, all you'd, give, you'd give six and a half. Yeah. As a matter of fact, actually, I don't think I actually saw that one on there on your. I can't read some of the things you write are just like, I. Some of the stuff you write is. It's not that hard. S F D A L. It's pretty obvious. Yeah, but sometimes it looks like. Look, you're you're killing me right now. Can you be? I know you've no. always bragged about the fact that you're a good loser, but a real ass of a winner. Mm-hmm. Just try it one time. Okay. Be a little hey. gracious. With your, I would be. Kicking my ass I would. Right I would be gracious if you actually picked the game that won. So when that happens, I am going to be. Like I said, I'll be a very good loser. Mark this. Mark this tape, everybody. Mark this day. This is the day. Because when this comeback is all said and done, we're gonna look back on this. Oh, ladies, the great Yogi Berra said it's getting late early. Is that Yogi Berra early on here? Yeah, it's getting late <laughs> early right here. Hey, for everybody involved in the Speak Truth Podcast, I am Mark Here's Mike. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Uh, we'll dump all kinds of stuff, all kinds of great content here on the Speak Truth Podcast. Thank you so much. We'll be back with you after week five to break it all down. <laughs>